Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And as promised here on this Sunday edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting, uh, we are going to continue with Nick Lyons. He's 88. He's telling his story of moving out of New York City, moving back into New York City. And, of course, it's a book he's written called Fire in the Straw, a, a memoir, which you can catch all these stories in. Nick, I've got to ask you, I've got to ask you, um, you were you were obviously owning this business and you had this company. Do you feel that the whole roll your sleeves up and get to work and literally start your own business, is that not appreciated slash not encouraged enough now? Like, are you sad to see that small businesses aren't growing or, or there's not really a willingness to be an entrepreneur during this time? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I was tremendously excited by the demands that a small company made where I had been even the executive editor. I had only dealt with editorial matters. And owning a place of my own, I had to develop all new skills. I had to learn how to produce a book, how to market a book. I had no idea how to publicize the book. Uh, I didn't. I hadn't hired anybody. I had to hire the right people. You really do have to roll up your sleeves, and you have it all day long, and you go to sleep with it at night. I was able to stop teaching after 26 years at Hunter, and uh, just have the, the one job. And it, it, it I, I put all of my energies into it. I, I didn't write very much at that time. But I, um, how many people would you say you published in that? Learn these other skills. Yes, Alex, you go on. How many people did you publish or help publish within Lions Press? I think we did about uh, ten books a season to begin with, and we built that up to about uh, sixty or seventy a year, and then probably closer to a hundred eventually. Um, there were all sorts of books. Some were e- reprints of older books, something I had a particular fancy for. We found a lot of older books to republish. Some had been done in paperback, uh, um, but had been left to languish. I picked those up, did them in hardcover, and did very well with them. A lot were were new. Uh, since I liked editions, I've always been just uh, passionate about it. Uh, I started a little list in uh, uh, in fly fishing books, and I think became it's good if you're a small house to specialize in something. And I guess you have this with with your program that you want to be not just like every other program, but one good mission. Uh, had as the backbone of my business uh, publishing fly fishing books, and I think there's not much doubt that I was to be very modest about it, that I was probably the best and the most vigorous publisher of fly fishing books um, I think that the country has ever had. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I did the best books. I did some that were older, some that were new. Uh, I launched a great number of new, new people, and it was very, very exciting. Along with that, I was able to developed from fishing to natural history to writers about it. Uh, I published a book by the great uh, novelist Tom LeBlain, a new book on his love of horses. 
And that was a wonderful book, Some Horses, it was called. And I did a number of others by very serious writers in another field who wanted to do some specialty book that uh, the big houses didn't want to do. Um, I found the kind of niche that you want when you have a business of your own, things you can do that no one else can do as well. I love that. I love that word, Nick, niche. That's a... That's, yeah. I think, what we're all trying to do um, in this world. Because yeah. everybody's talking about everything, right? So how do we stand out? Now, with the fly fishing, I got to ask this because I'm a sports guy, but did you ever cover, like, a bass tournament or, you know, a fishing tournament that actually would be televised on ESPN and the like? Did you ever cover those events? I didn't. But somehow the fly fishing world has a few tournaments, a few very good ones, something called the One Fly, but nothing like the Great Bass tournaments that are held um, where they haul in as many want to get as many pounds as they can. They're very exciting. They have a lot of money involved and a lot of people. But you know, I I I was a very competitive basketball player, but somehow the competitive bug didn't rub off to this other person as a uh, as a fishing person. I, I I don't think going after a live creature, uh, a bird, a, a bird, a fish, or what have you. I don't, I don't think it's as, as, as good as, as, as or as sustainable uh, a, a treasure or way to, way to behave as, as you can if you find other reasons to do it rather than have it as a contest or a competition. I don't, I'm not a preacher. Uh, there are other people who obviously love the competition, and I don't want to take away anybody's competition, but I couldn't. You know, somehow the fly fishermen, as I see them, are more interested in tying the right fly and getting the right casts under control, fishing in the right places, and that sustains them. They don't want the competition. But, Nick, I've, uh, I've got to ask you this now. So, sure. you know, when people say, you say you're not, you didn't feel that, you know, you were competitive, but I would say keeping it going, writing till at least 88 and beyond, that is a competi- that is competitive. That is not giving up. So i got to ask, people write their memoir, you know, when they want to retire and, and stuff. Do you feel like you're at the retirement now or do you feel like there's still so much to write about? Uh, was this the end? Was fire in the straw? That's a good question, Alec. Um, I, I, I don't feel competitive in writing. I know, I know from what I've read about Hemingway, he was enormously competitive about other writers and, and looked down on them. I sort of go my own way and, and, and have enough pleasure in doing it. I do. I have two or three other books I'd like to write. Um, I was very close to my wife and uh, feel very strongly that I'd like to write something that includes both my grief, uh, my loss, uh, and um, also the the nature of our relationship. Two very independent people who uh, had had an extraordinary uh, 58 years run. Uh, I also have gone further than that. Mary died five years ago. And I have since then, even in my old age, found a uh, a lady friend 
And I would very much like to write about her. I'd like to write something called Love After Love, uh, something that mediates between it all. You're not, you're not being dishonest in loving someone else. Uh, you, you have that other person who's inside you and she'll never be there, but always be there. But I very much want to write about finding someone else to give as much of yourself as you can give um, to and uh, enjoying the pleasures of the com- of companionship and whatever is left of the, of, of the physical uh, companionship. Um, so I've got a piece of those too. I'd like to write some essays, one on my son, Paul, who was a uh, professor, distinguished professor at the University of Hawaii, and with whom I was very close, um, and contracted melanoma out there. There's become too much sun from the from these from exposure to the sun. Had it misdiagnosed and took about ten years of slowly getting chewed up and then dying. I'd like to write about him and the novels he wrote and the friendship we had. So I have really three projects. The uh, um, taking notes for all all three of them at once and still working on them. Well, that is that is awesome. That that is awesome. Nick, do you do you have social media? Actually, do you have a Twitter or a Facebook, Instagram, where people can find your work? Um, no, I don't. I have an email. Um, I don't have a website. I don't have any of the social media. Um, the book, uh, Fire in the Straw, is has a big write up on me and the other books I've done on um, on um, uh, uh, the Amazon. Um, Amazon has a big write-up on it and a lot of the comments that have come in on it. And I think my wife's uh, website is listed. And through that, uh, I, anyone can get me through that. Or if they can get me, I'm listed in the New York phone book. I don't hide. Um, and I'd be delighted to hear from anybody who... Who, uh, always by electronic methods rather than the phone, because I I like to leave the phone open and and not use it that much. I don't I don't like to work and have be interrupted too often. Well, I was going to say. So obviously, in the country life, you adjusted to that for I think you said twenty years or so. But did this pandemic then kind of feel like a second nature to you? Like okay. We have to stay inside. I've done that kind of in the country life. Were you able to not be so thrown off by this, or did it throw you off as well, even though you were sort of in a, not a quarantine state, but in a country kind of state where it wasn't out all the time? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an isolado. <laughs> I've lived a very public life in, in the publishing world and teaching. But I like I, I I like being alone. I like to be uh, um, off by myself. I don't require a lot of company anymore. But I'm pretty old. I'm I'm getting to be quite antique. Um, I think I think what what the pandemic did in my life, Alice, was to scare me out of my out of my boots. I just uh, it seemed to have a target on me. Uh, I'm old. I'm I'm a little overweight. Still, uh, I, I have some heart issues, and I felt uh, 
you know, just going out and taking a breath that I was going to get this thing. I, I have never been scared of anything uh, in, in my life that I can remember physically. A very aggressive fisherman who would go into deep places in rivers without worrying. But this just spooked me. Uh, I was afraid I'd get it, uh, very afraid. And I particularly didn't, not only didn't want to die now while I was really writing very well and enjoying my life and enjoying a new companion, but um, the fact that it, it was so scary, the way you die. You go into a ventilator for, for a long time and you can't see anybody, you can't contact them. I think that was the great effect on me. I just became absolutely obsessed with not getting it. And um, I, I do think some people are, are going to go away and get out of the city to get away from the pandemic. And I think, A, they can get it up in the country. Um, and, and B, they, they ought to go up there with something to do, other than or, or some real connection to not the, uh, the, the belief that gardening is going to change their life, but some sense that they're not going to be bored stiff by doing it for a day. They, there are, you know, there are people who love to garden, and uh, I love to go to their gardens. But, uh, Did the country life teach you, because, you know, it sounds like you were so revved up to write when you were younger and you wanted all this stuff. Did um did the country life kind of give you a sense of patience too? Like, okay, I can write all these, but it's going to take time and I'm accepting of that. I, I, you know, I think what it gave me, uh, like, was, was time and simplicity and a simple life, simpler life. Gave me some access to rivers, which I had always wanted. I wanted to be closer to them, even if I didn't fish in them. Uh, I did not want want to deal with... Uh, I, I didn't realize this. I thought I was going to like it, but I did not want to deal with growing anything, uh, not flowers or, or food. I did not want to tend to the house. I didn't like to mow, mow lawns uh, or the rest of it. And that, I, I, I think... People should be awfully sure they want to do those things. In my case, I had something else that I wanted to do, uh, sit and write books and read. And I really was hungry for that and, and loved doing it. But the rest of it, uh, I saw people who, or I know people even now up there, who uh, I, I asked them whether they're doing some gardening, and I said, no, they have gardeners. Uh, or know they have this and that done. Someone else plows their lawn. They don't shovel plows their driveway in the winter. They don't shovel snow. They don't like the heater to go out. They're worried about a whole bunch of things. And uh, I think some of them some are going to come back and live in apartments and live a simpler life. It's uh, it's simpler in certain ways, and it doesn't give you certain other freedoms that that people like. Nick, I've got to ask you. Did, um, you threw out Ernest Hemingway and other other writers in this conversation, but who inspired you to be a writer? Who was your, yeah, I want to be like so and so and and get these books out there for people to read. That's a good question. I'm I'm uh, I, I I started late, and you know I really don't want to be like anybody else. I'm, I'm, it sounds fucking smug, you know, smug of me to say it, but uh, 
I had a dozen or more contemporary writers that I was passionate about. I think starting with some of the older ones, I, I loved uh, Henry James. I loved Hemingway's work. I liked Faulkner. I liked Fitzgerald. Uh, I liked Tom McGuane, uh, Richard Ford. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But I don't want their lives. My life, when I took a hold of it, uh, I pretty much determined I wanted to go my way. And they have disciplined ways of writing. I'm not a disciplined writer. I'm a passionate writer. I, I had too many years when I I couldn't say that I would be free from 7 to 9 in the mornings to write. I grabbed time whenever I can get it. And as a result, even now, I I write when I have something to write. And when I get started, I can sit there forever. I can sit for 10 hours if I have to and have. So it's, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I admire the independence of Hemingway. I dislike the swagger and the, the uh, meanness. He was genuinely a mean fellow in many ways. Um, I like uh, very much the life that Tom McGuane lives, but they're not my lives. I, I, I don't, I don't like the social life. I don't even like the literary life. Um, uh, I like my life. I like to go my way, do something that hopefully goes out into the world and finds some friends. Mm. The fishing writing that I've done has found a lot of friends. And I hope Fire in the Straw, uh, which I've been finding some, will will find continue to find some. I think it's a book that, that really registers my belief that you can change, you can build, you can have something that you want. You don't have to uh, live with someone's thumb on your shoulder. And it's a much more personal thing than even uh, a, 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 a political thing. Um, well, I've got to ask you then because I'm, I'm kind of curious. You say you want to live your life, but one of the reviews compared you to another literary, you know, great Horatio Ang- Al, uh, you know, Horatio Alger, but those comparisons don't really phase you, do they? Um, embarrassing to be compared with other writers? Um, no, I don't think so. I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to be compared with uh, a dozen writers that I, I think a lot of, um, and all, all for different reasons. I like the courage of George Orwell. Um, wrote 1984 and a number of other, not only novels, but wonderful essays. I like the directness of the style of some of Hemingway very much and have learned from it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I like to think that uh, um, I could be compared to some, some of the known writers, but uh, I'm different. Well, very, very different. One one last question for Not you. Not necessarily better. <laughs> huh. Well, I, I love this conversation. I want to have you back as your books continue to get published. But one thing that your fans, your even fly fishing fans, don't know about you that you'd be willing to say on this podcast. I'm sorry, I missed it, Alec. It blurred. <clears throat> sure. I well, one, one thing that people that follow your writing, that follow you, that know you may not know about you, though, like one thing. Oh, um, 
I think a lot of the people who only know the fishing, which I've done an awful lot of, I wrote a column that I wrote about eight books on fly fishing, not how to do it, but on other things. I, I think I think they don't know that I'm I'm a quiet lover of my family, that I was devoted to my wife, a painter who got too little attention in her life, that a lot of the things that I never wrote about um, were very important to me. I wanted to be a very good teacher, and I think I was. I wanted to publish good books, and I know that the, the work that went into those books is something, books that I published by others, the work that went into finding them and developing a list and surviving as a small publisher are things they don't know anything about. The thing they don't know much, mostly about is that uh, for a long period of my life, I had very severe money problems. Um, with four children living in New York with a painter wife who was spending a certain amount of money on rent and, and supplies but not bringing in any. I was uh, financially uh, a nervous wreck, and, and that they don't know. I, I don't think I left that out too much. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you, um, I guess you say I'm glad you opened up about that. Because I've got a question then, because some people say, well, don't become a writer. It's not money lucrative. What do you have to say to that? What, what do you have to say to those who say, oh, writing is just you can't make money off of it? So it's, a, it's, it's a risk, Alec. Um, it's a risk. You write something, and I used to write for the, uh, for the New York Times a lot. I'd write you know, substitute sports columns for the fishing writer, Nelson Bryant, and others. Uh, and suddenly the job's not there. The man I was dealing with uh, retired, and the other people don't have any interest in the kind of things I wrote. Uh, it's a risk. You depend on certain monies to be there, and if you're a freelancer, a freelance writer, uh, you, you you can be shocked by how little you can make. Um, I think I think uh, it's it's the best one of the best statements is that I know of. Don't give up your day job until you're capable of earning it. But uh, in my case, I couldn't. I, I couldn't, didn't have any other choice but to keep doing all the jobs I had and to write on top of that. I was determined to write. For the uh, last 20 years, I virtually supported myself writing and can, um, and I have a lot more confidence in it. But at the beginning, it's, uh, it's terrible in most cases. Uh, there are some writers like J.K. Rowling and, and uh, Stephen King and others who have made great fortunes uh, from their writing. <clears throat> and that is always a possibility when you write. Mm. And it is equally possible to be a wonderful, good writer and make $10,000 a year uh, selling to small magazines, small uh, uh, literary magazines, perhaps, um, doing too few. I think that it's it's the sooner you start and write for schools or write for local newspapers for practically no money, uh, the better. And you discover whether you have not only a great talent, 
a particular commercial talent that will enable you to earn a living at it. They're two very separate things, the living and the uh, and the uh, commitment to writing, to writing well. Writing well is not just a simple thing. Uh, there, are, there are hundreds of thousands of, of good writers. Uh, it is being, I think, reasonably exceptional to be high enough paid by writing for the New Yorker on a regular basis so that you can make uh, $100,000, $200,000 a year on your writing. Uh, or in the case instead of a novelist, far more than that. A best-selling author can make more than a million a book, and uh, there's a lot of money to be made out there. One last thing, because we, we really didn't get into this yet, but as a passionate writer... Is the blog sphere helping or hurting the chances for a writer to make it? Oh, I think this? they're wonderful. I, I think any kind of uh, blogs, podcasts are wonderful things. Uh, anything that gets connected to communication between somebody and, and the world. And I think that doing a blog uh, is, a, is a way of learning your writing. You know, you, if you look at it, most people don't grow. So I think that's the, the great problem. They don't. They don't remain students of writing. And I think that that most of the students are are, are who they read. If they read uh, the best people and the people whose writing can teach them something, uh, they uh, uh, they will get better. But I like the thought of writing blogs. I love to write letters. I write hundreds of letters. And I find that uh, uh, I fiddle I, I when I write a letter. I I try to do various things with the writing. It's always uh, such a lively and learning experience. And uh, I've learned a lot by writing letters. I don't get paid for them, but uh, they're a great joy. I think other people like them. And... Uh, uh, it's, it's like a, a ballet dancer doing doing a training every day. To, uh, you've got to write all the time or as much of the time as you can to be a real writer. Um, there are always people like, I think E.M. Forster once said, he doesn't write, uh, he doesn't write a word until he has the whole book in his head I, I, I don't think he lies, but I, it's almost impossible for me to conceive of that. I mean, that's a level of intelligence and memory that I that is beyond my comprehension. Um, other people, like me, um, have to write all the time. I'd write a blog if I thought anybody would read it. I don't know that I could. Um, and, and I know friends who do podcasts, and I think they're terrific either their own writing or interviewing of other people. Uh, several I've recently done, uh, I know it's the case. Well, I think, listen, uh, Nick, I, I have loved having you on this podcast. I, I don't know how many you've done, but I'm glad, certainly glad that you've shared your wisdom with me today, and I'd love to have you back. Well, I'm, I'm here, I, I, and I'm a garrulous old man. I still have most of my wits around me, so I, I'd be delighted to come back. And uh, 
I'm very pleased to be on today. I hope I haven't talked too much. No, you've but, you've opened up, and it's just it's been great to listen to you and your stories. There's just so much I want to cover, and I'd love to have you come back because, my goodness, is the war and everything that you've done. Your story isn't over yet, and I, I can't wait to be okay. part of this. So that was thank, Nick Lyons. Thank he's you, a, He's an award-winning writer, and he's just written A Fire in the Straw, which you can get on Amazon, and we will definitely have him back. Uh, I'm Alex Garrett, always adapting. Stay with us.